Last week, my recorder stopped working, and I don't trust the new one yet, not after the day I have had, which still isn't as bad as Larry's. Good, good. I don't know if you reckon, have you ever seen one of these things on a bulletin board? It's like a sheet of paper, and it might be, like in colleges, like, who needs a ride to Kansas City this weekend? And be like these little strips, and you rip one off with a name and phone number, lawn mowing service. I saw this when I was kind of thinking of an image, and I can't think of a better one when we're talking about take what you need. But earlier in the service, Terry read this week's scripture to remember from Acts 20, 35. I'm going to read it again. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And it's likely you've heard that expression before, some version of it. Maybe you've heard it, it's better to give than to receive, right? Did you know that those are Jesus' own words? The Bible is one of the most quoted books ever written. And what's fascinating about the statistic is that it isn't just a Sunday morning sharing of scripture that accounts for so many of these quotes being spoken. Many familiar expressions find their roots in the Bible. Likewise, there are many things that are attributed to the Bible that are not. We had some fun looking at these during a message I titled Myth, uh, Biblical Mythbusters. And we, we took uh, some of the expressions and said, is that the, from the Bible or is that not? Or is it just a biblical reference, you know, something that would, is we learn from the Bible, but is not actually quoted? Or is it completely misquoted? Like money is the root of all evil, right? We think we know that one, but that's not what it says, right? Right. It's the love of money. Money is not evil. In fact, we use money for good. It's when we love money that takes the place of God, that's when it becomes a sin. Cleanliness is next to godliness. We corrected the source. That is not in the Bible, no matter how many times your mom tells you. All things are good. Again, we just talked about that a minute ago. No, all things can be used by God for his good. To thine own self be true, right? Shakespeare. (laughs) Neither a borrower nor a lender be. That's your mom and Shakespeare. But do you remember this? I don't know if you remember some of these. We had a lot of fun with that. But I looked at it to see what some of these were two years ago. It was September of 2018, if you can believe that. That's how long ago that was. And, and let me tell you, and this has been a, a powerful service so far. Let me tell you what's happened in our lives uh, since then. I mean, what, what a powerful, powerful influence Golden Beach, the community Golden Beach, the people in Golden Beach, the church have been for Sherry and I. Amazing. We're just going to nod and leave it at that. But back on topic, it's more blessed to give than receive. That's right in line with this current message series about serving others as a means of serving God. So, so why would I use this scripture to remember with the Sunday message titled, Take What You Need? Right? It's about giving, not receiving. It is better to give than receive. Okay. Better, perhaps. But did you notice that Jesus does not say it's bad to receive? Nor does he say that you shouldn't receive. He just says it's better to give. We often use this verse as a motivator motivator to give more or to serve more or generally do more. That's because most of us don't need to be told to do less. But like everything else, there's an appropriate time and reason to take a break. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. God himself needed to take a break to refresh, recharge, and just marvel at what he had accomplished. Genesis 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. 
Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now this is how I know if God wasn't married. Because this verse wasn't followed by one that said, his wife said, that's nice, but before you rest, what about the stuff you promised to do for me? <laughs> I know. I know, God can do everything in seven days. Why can't I build something for you in 20? I know. <laughs> I don't know if God needed the break or just wanted, but he took the time when he was finished with his work to rest. And I agree, he does great work. It's beautiful, beautiful. God took time to enjoy the magnificence of his creation. Scripture says he, he blessed this period of rest and made it holy. This would become a commandment that stands today. We know this as the fourth commandment to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. In Mark 2.27, Jesus reveals a part of the purpose of this commandment. And it says, Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. You see, God knows what you need. He should. He created you. He knows we need rest. We need to recharge. We need to enjoy the fruits of our work, and we need to worship him. God is no less God if we don't worship him but we need to acknowledge him for our life to work right. Dr. Tony Evans, who's a, a pastor, shared this. He said, God designed everything and created everything from him. Nothing works right without him being a part of it. And this is in line with Colossians 1.16. It says, for by him, all things were created, right? God created all things, both in the heavens and on earth, the visible and the invisible, thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Nothing works right if he's not a part of it. We can push through, but nothing works right if God is not a part of, of everything. Now, God's commandments weren't created to punish us or limit us. As we took time over a few Sundays and several of our Bible study times, we learned that the commandments were actually freeing freeing. And each one is designed to help us meet a need and to keep us safe and in line with God's will for our life. Honor the Sabbath by worshiping God, which frankly we should be doing every day. Honor the Sabbath by resting from work, not only to eliminate distractions and to take our focus off God, but also because we need the rest. Our body is designed to take rest. Our mind needs the rest. Our spirit, our soul needs rest and recharge. This morning's message is not about the Sabbath or how we should spend it. I just want you to see the example set by God and Jesus when it comes to taking a break. For the past few weeks, we've been talking about serving others. This is certainly a means of worship and is glorifying to God. It, it provides a blessing to others. And, and when our motivation is noble and our heart is in line with God's will, we also receive a blessing. This is what Jesus spoke of when he said, it is more blessed to give than receive. But there are times when we need to be the recipient. We know life has its difficulties. We prayed for some this morning. It's promised in scriptures like John 16, which says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Again, he, he's told us, he's promised there will be difficulties, but he's promised that we can get through them. He's promised that he is with us. You know, sometimes these troubles and sorrows and these, these times when we need to receive, it's a short period, like a specific task, like we need help, like help with a project, right? 
Sometimes we try to do things that require more than we can do, either the number of people or the, the, the amount of skills. Sometimes we need support for never. I'm starting this project. It's not a thing. It's a, it's, a, it's a ministry. It's a business. And we need support in whatever that endeavor is. But sometimes the need we have is not tied to time. It's a need to receive from a ministry, like an ongoing thing. Like maybe we have a financial need, like the LLM fund, you know, and, and the Heifer fund. You know, maybe there are, I mean, there are definitely people who are in need of that. Maybe we're in a season where we need that need to be fulfilled. We can't give right now because we are so much need ourselves. We have need for necessities like housing or, or food. And, and there are food pantries established for this. And there are ministries that help provide housing or, or funding for housing. And maybe it's, it's that we have experienced a loss and we need support in our grief, like pastoral care. Or something from the postcard ministry that says, hey, we're thinking about you. Hey, we're missing you. Hey, what do you need? Or a visit from one of our elders. Is it less of a blessing to receive in these circumstances? Not at all. Not at all. From my own testimony, I can tell you that I've been blessed many times over in these situations. One time, and I actually wrote a little blog thing about it. But $50 solved a $16,000 problem for us, didn't it? It did. Someone very quietly after church, very generously gave us some money to help us because we were in need. And was that going to solve our problem? Not even close. But we went home and we talked about it. What did we say? You know what? If we can't keep our house down here, if we can't, you know, do what we need to do to be a part of this church, we're going to still come anyway, aren't we? If we have to drive down for the day, every Sunday, that's what we're going to do. And God said, okay then I'm not going to let the finances be a problem for you. And he opened some floodgates for us. I think we needed to be in that position to ask the question, you know, where's our commitment at? What's it about? It's not about us. I just wanted to share that a little bit. The truth is that it's very hard to ask when we are in need. Pride gets in the way. Stubbornness gets in the way. Procrastination gets in the way. Have I named all my flaws yet? Close? I'll give you the microphone later, dear. But these things can keep you from receiving a blessing, right? Equally as disappointing, they can keep others from receiving the blessing of being able to be part of Jesus' ministry by providing, right? If you just want to help, if, they, if you, we talked about this last week and, and how we serve, if your way of ministry is through serving and no one will let you serve them because of stubbornness or pride or whatever, we're shunting your ministry. That's not fair. I don't want to be a part of, of, of that. I'm sitting here preaching, telling you to, that you need to serve. Why would I want to get in your way? But stubbornness and pride does that, doesn't it? It's hard to say, I need help lifting this or carrying this. It's hard to say, help, I need, I need $10. Hard to say, help, I need your prayers. You know, last week we talked about how we are an extension of Jesus' ministry on earth both in reach and in length of time. We as individual and collectively as a church are the arms and legs of Jesus's ministry. We continue to do the work and go about the earth today in addition to him. We are in his 202nd decade of ministry, right? If we start the clock at about 0 AD, we're about 2000 or 202 decades of ministry. And here we are excited about our 40th year. That's fantastic for us, but yay, God. 
You know, God knows what we need and he should. He created us and designed us with specific needs. But we were also created to have these needs met by God. Now, God uses people just like you all the time to do his work and to meet the needs of others. For examples this morning. Let me share a joke. And, and, and my father, when he's not down here, listens to the podcast so he'll get credit. And he'll know that I paid attention because this joke is at least 20 years old when I heard it. Okay. But he was telling the story of, of a flood. And they, they knew this flood was coming. And it was in the news. And the guy says, God will take care of me. I'm not leaving my house. And the neighbor came by and said, did you not hear? Flood's coming. He said, God will take care of it. I'm not leaving my house. And then the police come by and said, everybody needs to evacuate. And he says, that's okay. God's going to take care of me. I'm not leaving my house. And as the waters rose and they rose and he finally is on his roof and a helicopter says, Man, reach the ladder. We'll, we'll save you. He goes, it's okay. God is going to save me. I'm not leaving my house. The man died. That's not the funny part. The man died and he gets to heaven and he says, I don't get it. Where were you? And he goes, I came through the news. I came through your neighbor. I, I came through the place of the bullhorn. He goes, why didn't you accept? God uses people. God uses people to do his work. Recognize the voice. Sometimes he needs some miraculous as God takes all these pieces and moves them around and, and orchestrates the blessing you experience. And we've seen that. He takes these horrible things you're praying against at the time and he works into something miraculous. And sometimes the work is done through people just like you. One of the reasons that God prescribes rest for us is so that we can take a step back and recharge. We can have the energy and perspective to either recognize our need or to be the one that helps someone in need. And it also gives us a chance to let others do the work. Now, does anybody else overly involve themselves? Do they, they, are they a yes person? Do they, they like to just do it? But then sometimes those simple joys, they start to feel like a chore or an obligation or a work. I mean, we say yes to everything with great intentions. But at the same time, we need to leave room for others to do work. Speaking for myself, again, I would never intentionally get in the way of someone else's ministry opportunity. How counterproductive would it be if I were to preach, go and serve, but then I kept all the opportunities for myself or hindered others from doing them? And I messed up this week. Mark, I'm going to have you share in just a second the ministry. And he sent me an email with this. I'm like, fantastic, great idea. We're going to get this message out. And I started getting the message. I picked up the email. And I thought, you know what? I send an email about once a week usually to remind people the Wednesday night Bible study. And we have a core group of people on the Wednesday night, but it hasn't grown a lot, which means the email's probably not getting read or it's not of interest as much. And that's fine. But if I were to tuck a request in an email like that, I think some of the message would get lost. So I was ready to tell Mark that I've got a great idea to share that. I think I would just go ahead and do that now. Mark, would you come up, grab the mic, and, and um, share a little bit about, about how God has used you and what he can do to use the rest of us. This is going back to the prisoner we mentioned earlier, Patrick Flaherty. Um, a number of months ago, a letter came to the church, actually two copies, and Connie had just been talking at the breakfast about how she had been reading a book by a former prisoner who got saved there, called Twice Pardon. Um, and also, I think it came out that she had done prison ministry, and so someone handed one of the copies of the letter to her, and we read it, and it was from this 
young man, not so young now, a man named Patrick Flaherty. And when he was maybe 20 years old, was it? 21, he did some stupid things. He robbed four times convenience stores using an unloaded BB gun. And when he was caught, he was, you know, his attorney suggested he do a plea, plea bargain and he thought he'd get, you know, a little bit better if he did, did that. And it was a judge that was way out of line that sentenced him to four consecutive 10-year sentences on his first offense. And his possibility of parole didn't come up until perhaps he was thir served 34 or 36 years. Most rapists are out in seven years. Many murderers are out in 20 years. He's served 21 or 22 years already for what he did. And his sentence has been called the most unjust sentence in the state of Missouri. He's had letters of commendation from chaplains to the governor and a list of accomplishments. He's been a model prisoner. He's translated tens or hundreds of thousands of pages into Braille to help blind students. Uh, and he writes, we started corresponding with him and he writes back and he puts at the bottom what his meditation from the Bible was that day, generally so. And recently he was encouraged that he was getting a hearing to possibly have his sentence change the concurrent instead of consecutive, he was immediately eligible for parole. And even the state's attorney said he would not oppose that if it was determined that way. And then he found out that the state did not overturn it. And that's why we really wanted to try to do something. We wrote him right back. But one thing I would like to see happen is for others to write him even just a note, you'll, you'll probably hear back from him. I think in the time he's been doing this, we're one of the few that's responded to him. Uh, so it's meant a lot to him. But also, if others, you can do it online, submit a petition to the governor for clemency. And but in addition to that, if there's others you know of, if you, you know, if this kind of gets to you, something I believe we could do but be trying to spread the word. Contact others with this email, you could forward it. It's got links you know, to about him that they can see, as well as the link to submit online a petition to the governor. And you know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see a snowball get started and it end up being an avalanche on the governor's desk. You know, not all these are gonna get to him. It has to get through you know, the staff to get some, but you get enough things Maybe perhaps something will get through. And that's kind of my burden to do, to help this young man and bring him some encouragement. And we'll see what God can do, because he can do wonderful things. And maybe this is part of how he wants to work. Thank you, Mark. So in this case, the question is, what can you do? You know, will you support Patrick directly? Will you support Mark and Connie in what they're trying to do as a part of their ministry? And there's, there's all kinds of level of action you can take. If you don't feel called to do something, there's, you can support people who do. And that's, 
That's all a part of how this works. I think there's several things we can do right away. We can write Patrick. Just let him know you're thinking about him. Whether you, you know, uh, and the other thing we can do is, is you can send the information to the governor. And what, uh, what I will do is we'll put in the back the address for Patrick if you want to write him. And we thought that letters from individuals would be fantastic. It, whatever you want to say. And if you feel compelled to send to, you know, to do a petition or to petition for, um, again, all we're asking is for the system to hear the case and make their decision. We, it sounds like Patrick is just not getting his day in court, so to speak. Yeah, go ahead. I just want to say real quickly, this is really touching. Yeah. And, and uh, I just want to add, you know, that we're all commanded as the people of God to stand up for the prisoners. Yeah. It doesn't go on here enough, and, and I just really want to commend you guys. And I hope that as many of us here do, nobody wants to sit down and write a letter to somebody they don't know. Yeah. We're commanded to. Yeah. A postcard, anything, a verse. We come together and we sing yeah. across this nation, and there's people suffering yeah. all over the place that we're not addressing the way we should. That's right. Last week, Scripture members talked about that. Suffer as if you were suffering with those in jail. And those are the exact words of Paul. Exactly. And if the, if, the, if the prison ministry isn't your ministry, support those who it is. Okay? So we'll have that back there. There'll also be um, all the email out. And I wanted Mark to speak before I do this now so you know what he's talking about. It's Patrick's original letter and his story of what of, – so you know his story and what's going on and what you're talking about. And feel it at the very least, at the very least, pray for this man. The very least. Okay. So thank you, Mark, for sharing that. We come back to taking what, what you need. An article that I read while preparing my thoughts this morning, the message listed five reasons for us to rest and to take. One says, we would be more focused on helping others instead of ourselves because our outlook on life would be more God-focused, not me-focused, if we could step back from it. We're going to talk about this in coming weeks. Next, he says, our hopes and dreams would be rekindled because we would be continually be reminded of our creator is all-powerful. Romans 8.32, he did not spare his own son, but gave him for, up for us all. How will he not also then along with him graciously give us all things? Because we wouldn't run ourselves ragged all the time trying to push through and make things happen. This is, this is an area that I need to work on. Jesus and his disciples likewise needed rest. In fact, from Mark 6.31, it says, Then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. God needed rest and step back and see what he had done. Jesus and his disciples needed to step back and take care of themselves. Okay? How much more do we? We need to trust that God's in control. Jeremiah 17, 7, 8 reminds us. It says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Right? Root yourself in God and your relationship with Jesus and in the word. And you'll be constantly fed down deep where drought and disease cannot get to it. And last, we would develop that proverbial ear to hear what Christ referred to because we'd learn the sound of the Lord's voice, right? 
What might you hear? Perhaps Jesus' words from Matthew eleven twenty eight. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We talked about what a yoke is. They, the ox mostly, was, they were strapped together. You couldn't go faster or slower or turn. I mean, everything was in tandem. If you put on your yoke with Jesus, you move when he moves. You turn when he turns. You're with him and he's saying, this is not a burden. He says, it's gentle and humble. He says, my yoke is light. This thing you're trying to carry, it's hard, it's heavy, and you're doing it by yourself. Maybe you'll hear Jesus tell you that. Put yours down, put mine on. This is Matthew 5, 6. says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Jesus promises that that need within you, that need every now and then you need to take, he'll fulfill that. And I'm sure you can think of other reasons. But how do you think your life would change if, if you took more time to be still and focus on resting in the Lord's peace? I mean, among other things, you'd find a measure of contentment and peace, right? And contentment and peace sound wonderful. I mean, that's the first thing we do. How'd you sleep last night? Well, I got eight hours, but it was restless. You know, you need contentment. You need peace. Philippians 4.12 says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. Right? This is Paul. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. He's saying it's more than just the physical needs, a hunger and, and stuff. He goes, I've learned the secret of being content. Also, Paul's letter to Philippians 4, 6, 7, be anxious for nothing. We, we read this often. Be in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God. This is God peace, God rest, which surpasses all comprehension. That's what makes it different, right? I don't understand why I feel at peace. I can't explain why all these things are happening and I feel okay. You don't have to explain it. It's because God is in your heart and he's dwelling there and he's saying, it's gonna be okay, I've got this. He says that the peace of God which surpasses all understanding shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, contentment and peace are blessings from God as we rest at the right time for the right reason. So listen to the first verse of 2 Samuel 7. It talks about King David. It says, after the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him. And it went on to tell the story. But David was out there fighting battles. He was a king. He was doing what kings do. And after this, he settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest. Jesus' own words from John 14, 27 says, I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. What a great gift. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. There are things that we need to take that others provide because they're working on God's behalf. But these things are still things that come from God. And my, like most things in life, there is a balance point with things of the world and things of God between a worldly perspective and the kingdom one. And in the past, we've talked about how good things can become bad, even sinful, right? If they aren't prioritized correctly or if they compete with God for our time and attention. And by contrast, we've talked about how bad decisions turned around can make powerful testimonies for God's grace. We've heard some in this room. I think Patrick is gonna be an example of God's grace. Yes, I made this mistake. No, it wasn't as big of a deal as some of these things, but I made a mistake. You know, sometimes we're saying the same thing. I messed up, I sinned, but it wasn't a big sin, right? 
right? And he's, he's maintained his, he's found his faith and he's maintained his faith. And we're gonna help him keep that faith by reminding him of how good God is. Now, is this the time you need to step up and serve or is this the time where you need to step back and rest and be served? Listen carefully and hear me. This is not for any person in this room to decide for you or judge. It is not. Just as with your choice to give offering or not, this is a personal decision that should be based on your conversation with God and what he places in your heart to do in response. 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Where will you find your contentment in the season of life? Will you be content in your giving or will you be content in your receiving? God intends contentment for you. And if you prayerfully considered it and feel called to serve more but don't know how, let's talk. You are loved and there is a world full of opportunities and the blessing is in store for you. Let me help you find your next opportunity or at least be able to recognize it. And if you're in a season where you need to be served or ministered to, let's talk. My prayer is that you will be able to set aside anything that inhibits you and your honest request for for acceptance or your honest request and you will accept the help. You are loved and it is a blessing to give to you whatever it is that you need. And I'm speaking on behalf of the congregation when I say that. So trust Jesus in your circumstances. Seek Jesus in your trials. He doesn't just give you peace. He is your peace. Spend time reading his word and in prayer and experience the Prince of Peace as Lord of your life. Follow his example of serving and love and allow others to follow that example by receiving when they serve you in love. Follow his example by taking time to rest, recharge, and reconnect with God the Father. And I just want to close with a benediction from Romans 15, 13. It says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I hope you find contentment and joy, whether it's in serving or if you're in a point where receiving. That's my prayer for you this week. Let's pray. Father God, what a powerful service this morning. We've had powerful prayers and powerful testimonies. We've had opportunities shared with us. Lord, as we hear this message last week on how we need to go and serve, and as we hear this message this week on how sometimes we need to step back and be served, let us prayerfully consider and ask you where we need to be right now. God, it does no good for the kingdom to push through, push through and push through trying to serve when we ourselves need to be fed. There's no shame in saying, God, I need, I need you. I need to receive for a moment. God, as we prayerfully consider where we are in that, I ask that you speak directly into our hearts. Let all of us hear clearly what it is you have in mind for us. And Lord, let us all, all commit to never judging or deciding for another what they need to be doing. God, as we leave this place, I thank you. This opportunity to hear your word, this opportunity to worship you through our prayer and through our song and through our giving. Lord, may all we do this morning and please you, we ask you to continue to fill these pews for people hungry for your word. May we be as inviting as a congregation as we are a welcoming one. And may we all be changed for it. Amen.